2: What's up, Road of His listeners? It's Colin Kelly here, executive producer of Road of His Radio and one of the co-hosts of the Road of His Overtime podcast. I just wanted to drop by and say thank you, as always, for listening into another Road of His Radio production. As a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% off a Road of His NFL pass right now at rodoviz.com forward slash podcast or by simply adding the code RVRadio2021 at checkout. That'll get you access to all of the content and tools on the Road of His website, the best tools and content in the business the best listeners in the business as always we do appreciate you listening to each and every show and if you do have 5 10 15 seconds to spare please drop a rating for today's show on your favorite podcast app it is much appreciated with all that said thank you once again for tuning in i hope you have a great day now let's get back to the show
3: We're talking third-year players on RotoViz Radio. What's up,
0: RotoViz?
3: Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We're two of the owners here at Rotoviz. We're going back to 2019. We're in a bit of a time machine here, uh, this episode, Curtis. What we're doing here is we are considering some of the players that may have been exciting back in 2019. And we're thinking about, do these players still have any value they can provide? Do they have a chance of clawing their way up and being relevant? Should we keep these guys in the back of our mind? Or at this point, can we let them just kind of, you know, fade away? into the ether can you very quickly remind everyone what this class was like in terms of excitement among drafters just to line things up in the actual draft kyler murray daniel jones tj hawkinson dwayne haskins noah fant josh jacobs marquise brown and keel harry debo samuel and drew Locke were among some of the first players selected in the draft
2: oh yeah man 2019 uh it was a year uh, where there was a, there was a lot of excitement really everywhere except for the running back position, you know, running backs as, as the NFL draft, uh, you know, get creeps a little closer, they always find a way to creep towards the top of the board. And, and we saw that happen with Josh Jacobs in, in rookie drafts that year. Uh, this was also David Montgomery year. Um, and, and there was the, the famous, uh, David Montgomery slide where it's like, I can't remember who all the players were, but it was like, feet of Barry Sanders and like you know body of Adrian Pete I was like the most ridiculous like hybrid player uh ever and so you see that happen with the running backs but the wide receiver class in particular we were very excited about um from a profile standpoint and and from a draft capital standpoint you see even players like JJ Ortega Whiteside uh Andy Isabella was uh an analytics favorite and so you know the good thing about this class is players who were a little bit further down the board ended up breaking out. Um, and, and so the value has still been there, but at the top of the draft, there were some big whiffs. Um, luckily we, we have players like Deontay Johnson and Terry McLaurin, um, who have really risen, even somebody who was a very late player like Tony Pollard showing some promise. Um, and so, you know, they've kind of forgiven, uh, the sins of, of the top of the class here. Uh, but we're going to actually focus on, the biggest disappointments today. We're not talking about those guys ready to break out. We're talking about guys that are either maybe ready for the trash heap uh, or maybe there's a little hope left for Dave.
3: Yes. So uh, I'm really looking forward to your thoughts on our first player. And that is going to be in Keel Harry, who I had as my wide receiver too. I am glad to say that I did give the edge to AJ Brown. I am surprised though in comparison to what I was expecting, that his career has been off to such a poor start. Probably one of the biggest disappointments of the whole draft. Should he be 100% given up on? And kind of in that context, when is it appropriate to give up on a player? He's on a team where he had high draft capital going in. He looked like a good prospect and through two years just hasn't really been able to do anything. Outside of week two last year, Yeah. I'll say. Um,
2: yeah, I'm going to I'm going to start with the second part of the question because it apl- it applies, you know, th- that kind of sets the tone for this whole conversation. So, you know, when you have a player who has first round draft capital, um it's it's almost always too early to give up on them, honestly. I mean, even with we see what's happened with like Rashad Perriman, uh we talked about him a little bit in one of last week's episodes. Um te- NFL teams just continue to give these first round talents uh second chances because in our scheme, he would work, or I'm the right coach to get, uh, you know, out of him, what he showed to us in college. And these GMs go back to their, their big boards, you know, in free agency. I had a high grade on this guy, you know, we, we can make it work for him. And so, you know, Nikhil Harry should always probably be on your radar until he's out of the league. I mean, e- even Kevin White, remember, remember Kevin White, same class as uh, as Brashad Perriman. And, you know, years after multiple uh, horrific injuries, you know, he flashes in the preseason and then kind of shoots back up the boards. Like the thing is, is like you can get a dynasty value spike pretty quickly. That's a massive overreaction on a player like this too. So when they drop out of the top 200 and then literally anything good happens, uh it's a good time to kind of speculate in those markets. Um I personally made hay doing this with like DJ Chark after his very disappointing uh, rookie season. You know, he, he exceeded draft capital expectations with that high second uh, round draft capital did nothing. Um, kind of reminds me of the Jalen Reger situation from last year. There's a lot of reasons why it didn't go well. And then, you know, you just go buy them real cheap and then, you know, you, just, you know, sell them for a, a fortune. And so that sets kind of a backdrop here. Um, we don't want to be reckless with these players, but the ones who have that draft capital insulation should always be on our radar uh just at that right price. So, transitioning this uh discussion to Nikhil Harry, we have to look at what's happened in New England. So, as a rookie, you know, we know Bill Belichick has a not been good at uh drafting rookies and B not been good at incorporating younger offensive players into his highly complex offensive system um you know that Josh McDaniels has perfected Uh, but that, you know, Belichick and and Brady obviously had lots of input into as well. It's predicated on timing, predicated on precision. And those are things that can be very difficult for receivers who are able to win, you know, with size, uh, against smaller, weaker corners. And that was exactly the story of Nikhil Harry's collegiate career in, uh, out in Arizona State. So that's a rough transition to make. It's even a rougher transition to go from Tom Brady and all of those expectations to kind of a rehabilitated version of Cam Newton in a COVID year uh, where a new offense needs to be installed for a total opposite type of quarterback um, when there's minimal team and player in-person interaction over the summer. So I can make a lot of pretty reasonable excuses for why Harry hasn't really been able to put it all together yet. Uh, there are some reasons maybe for some positivity. So the team clearly is trying to turn over – uh, you know, their receiving core, Julian Edelman decided I've had enough uh, actually decided to retire uh, just before we dropped this episode. I don't know if you saw that breaking news yet, Dave, um, but you know, uh tip of the hat to Edelman, one of the fiercest competitors that the league has seen over the last decade or so. I always really enjoyed watching him play, but he's out of the picture now. Uh, not going to complicate things. Um, the team brings in, uh, you know, a pair of tight ends uh, to give cam some options in the middle of the field uh and Kendrick Bourne who you know is he really going to be the guy that holds it all down Nelson Aguilar certainly isn't a threat to Nikhil Harry they're totally different types of players I still think the door's open for Harry to be the possession receiver on this team um when you look at uh our player usage tools at at RotoViz and I think these sometimes are things that in the offseason especially can really help uh put the picture together Nikhil Harry actually had the fourth highest snap percentage of any New England Patriot, uh, offensive player last year. Did you know that? That's pretty, like, remarkable. Uh, it, it's really, really, in, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, they're actually no third highest on the team. I have this uh, sorted by multiple years. Only Cam Newton and Jacoby Myers played more offensive snaps than Nikhil Harry last year. Like, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> that's pretty crazy. Um, I'm actually, yeah, I'm surprising myself, surprising myself with that. He played 89% of snaps. Um, you know, the, 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 the problem is the snaps didn't really translate to anything. He was highly inefficient from a fantasy points, uh, uh, over expectation perspective, like negative, uh, 25, uh, fantasy points versus expectation. Um, but again, you know, we, we went over the reasons why, you know, it didn't really work for him in New England last year. So, uh, if we, if you get to that, you know, past that 15th round, past that 18th round and, and Harry's still sitting there and you're like, okay, I need, Who's somebody with upside for my wide receiver eight, uh, on this dynasty build or, you know, it, you're, you're in a trade conversation with another owner and, and you see Harry just, you know, clogging up that other owner's roster. He, he's a throw in level player now. I think that's really how far he's, uh, sank and that, that's great. He's got more upside within his profile than someone on your roster probably. The last argument that I can make is really going back to, what our, our prospect box score scout told us about Niku Harry. This is this is why we were so excited about him. Now, uh those comps have changed because there's more years uh or more players who have come into the league to kind of uh change the the comps for him since then. So for example, he and AJ Brown show up as comps for each other, that wouldn't have necessarily happened as prospects. Uh but I remember back then seeing Jordy Nelson, seeing Alshon Jeffrey, seeing DeAndre Hopkins, seeing Michael Thomas. And, and even Kenny Britt, uh, lots of different players who ended up being successes in different ways. And, you know, it's hard to kind of get that out of your head. So at the price of free, uh, he's still somebody that I'll roll the dice on. I'm not going to say it's probable that he becomes relevant, but it's certainly still possible. Uh, what do you think about all of that feedback, Dave?
3: I think that's spot on. Um, I don't really have any major disagreements and, I think that when you're looking at him in the upcoming season or two, there's two kind of competing narratives that you could spin. One could be that at this point, we've seen only a handful of games where he gets more than four targets and just hasn't been involved. And you could say now that they're bringing in these new receivers, they brought in that that duo of tight ends. How is he going to get any usage? But at the same time, you could also make the argument that now that there's more defenses have to pay attention to, They're going to bring in a new scheme that potentially he has a better role and a better fit for, that that's going to take some of the pressure off him and get him involved. I don't really think that all of that matters that much with how low his value has slipped. It speaks to your point of him being a player that can still accrue some value and there's still some opportunity for. So at this point, even if he is just a throw in, that's a perfectly acceptable player to keep in the back of your mind. Um, and you know, it's not the exact same case, but a lot of people were disappointed on Corey Davis and we saw where that went. And I think for a while, you could have got Corey Davis for pretty cheap, just got him thrown in on a deal. Not that Davis had as much of a struggle as Harry, but I think it just kind of supports and speaks to that point. So. Uh, I am not expecting too much, but that does not mean that at this point he needs to be in the garbage. You're going to throw the next one back to me.
2: Oh, okay. I missed the note. Yeah, um, that's fine. Okay. There we go. We'll we'll cut it out or we'll leave it in as a fun outtake.
0: <laughs> um,
3: okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to leave it in now. Uh,
2: um, okay. I, <laughs> there you go. Um, okay. So we, we talked a lot about, you know, Nikhil Harry, who was once an exciting prospect. Uh, this next guy, uh, Dave, same division. We're still in the, uh, we're still in the AFC East. Not as much, uh, hubbub about him as a, a prospect. Dawson Knox was drafted 96 overall by the Buffalo Bills. Uh, what do we think about him? Is there a ceiling that he, uh, hasn't quite achieved yet? Or is he, you know, is he what he is at this point?
3: I actually think, and it's weird because until I was actually forced to go through this exercise and try to find players that I could spin positively, I would not have expected to come up with Dawson Knox as the name. But then I looked at what he has actually achieved. And this was something that Matt Friedman and I talked a lot about was just how slow and, you know, developing the position is. And you really have to be patient with your tight ends. For most of them it's unrealistic that they're going to step in and start making an impact right away. As a rookie, Knox drew 50 targets, 388 yards, two receiving touchdowns. Nothing crazy, but it's something. Last year in just 12 games, 43 targets, 24 recs, three touchdowns. In his two seasons, he's averaged a target market share of 10%. What I like is when you look at his athletic measurables, And you think about what he's already been able to do. And I think at tight end, athleticism really is a key component. Two of his best comps are Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews. You also see other guys like Dallas Goddard, Austin Hooper, Hayden Hurst. Guys that have had some level of achievement. Now, I'm not saying that Dawson Knox is going to be Travis Kelsey. But I'm saying that there are things. That's to what be. I heard. <laughs> 91st percentile, 40 yard dash, 70th. <laughs> that's, that's what I heard. That's <laughs> the side of the episode. Dawson Dave Knox, Keevan, is Travis Kelsey. Owner assist, <laughs>
2: Knox, <next> Travis Kelsey. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, get this is, some listens.
3: Yeah, that will. People will take that and run with that for sure. 63rd percentile cone, 86th percentile broad, 63rd percentile vert. This is actually pretty solid athleticism. Yes,
0: there's certainly a ceiling to what he can do being in an offense. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
3: In the game also with some good complementary pieces there but I do think that this is a team that's going to be in position to score points there's a player like Knox that has already been decent at finding touchdowns per the amount of targets that he's had so I think that there's some potential there Dawson Knox probably never going to be a high level tight end one but at a position where Sometimes you just need to find some level of production in a name that a lot of people probably aren't that zoned in on. I think that there's some potential for Knox to uh, bring some value to your team. So I would definitely encourage listeners to keep him in the back of their mind and maybe try to get him as a throwaway. What do you think? Look, no one's perfect. Even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded. The best golfers sometimes three putt with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you come up short in the bedroom sometimes, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to GetRoman.com slash rotovis now. With Roman, you get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Go to getroman.com slash rotoviz now to get fifteen dollars off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. GetRoman.com slash Rotoviz get started now to save $15 on your first month of treatment.
2: Yeah, um, I'm I'm torn on this one, um, and I think the reason that you you want to keep your eye on a player like Dawson Knox is because of the offense that he's in. He's tied to a, a quarterback who, any given year, is on the very short list of players who could lead the NFL in overall touchdowns, and of course, touchdown passes. And you know, we saw like with Robert Tunyon last year in Green Bay that on very few targets, if you become a you know a, a red zone weapon. You know, you can really still be a fantasy difference maker. It's not, you know, highly projectable year to year. You know, things can change, uh, but that's certainly within the range of outcomes for Dawson Knox. And you know, I think uh, at, at his current price of being pretty free, um, that's intriguing. You know, when you look back through uh, Brian Dayball's uh, uh, history as an offensive coordinator, very few times has he ever really utilized this position. And you know, I, I think the only time I can find where he really started to steer meaningful volume towards a tight end. You have to go back to the 2010 Cleveland Browns, and it's just because the wide receiver core was literally that gross. So on that team, Ben Watson led the team with 102 targets, and uh the leading wide receiver target getter was Chancey Stuckey. Uh, no, Muhammad Masequoy and then Chancy Stuckey. So those are your top two uh, target getters. And then, you know, you look in other situations where, you know, there weren't, necessarily great receivers and he still did not opt to use the tight end position. So, um you, you know, I mean uh, that's the the biggest probably issue for me is Dayball not utilizing the tight ends. Um but as you laid out, Knox certainly has more than requisite athleticism. Uh you know, he was a day 2 draft pick, uh, that's certainly a good thing and he's tied to an elite quarterback. So, those are the types of tight ends that when you're looking at your tight end two, tight end three list, especially in a tight end premium format, um, or a start two tight end league or a start lots of flex players league, uh, these are the, the types of uh, moves acquiring a player like Knox that, that can, you know, potentially make a difference. So, um, yeah, within the context of what we're talking about in this episode, yeah, I think there's reason for optimism
3: for Knox. All right. It's time to question if we need to panic. The first player is Nicole Hardman. It actually feels like it might be kind of an odd question, but there were some people that were very excited about Hardman. If you remember, there was the talk about Tyreek, Tyreek Hill might be missing time. Hardman can come in and be this one-for-one replacement. Uh, this looks like a great landing spot for him. Things just haven't coalesced the way that people would have liked. There's been stretches where other receivers on the team have been unavailable um, or there's been need for a receiver to step up when Sammy Watkins, for example, has been up. But Demarcus Robinson has been able to out-target Hardman at times. Doesn't look like he's going to be Tyreek Hill. Looks more like he's going to be a much lower level player. Is he just not a thing? What do we do with Hardman at this point?
2: Yeah, I think he's pretty much just not a thing. Um and the reason he's not a thing is I mean, okay, so he, you know, we we know speed is his calling card. He's he's playing for a quarterback with, you know, perhaps the biggest arm in the NFL or, you know, at least one of the top 5 biggest arms in the NFL. Uh and an offense that, you know, is literally an aerial aerial attack circus uh affair every single week and he's to your point, he's had the opportunity you know, no wide receiver two really has stepped up and emerged in Kansas City over these two seasons. We even had the Tyreek Hill suspension early on in his rookie season; couldn't assert himself. Um, you know, he he's always going to be a, a player that, while he's with Patrick Mahomes, can outperform expectation on a per-target basis. But I think, I mean, if he was going to get meaningful volume, I mean, wouldn't he have? done it by now I to your point I think that's the biggest concern here I mean he only has three top 24 wide receiver weeks since entering the league three top 24 weeks in, in 32 games with Patrick Mahomes that's a big concern for me Um, I think Travis Kelsey uh, being injured uh or you know being out of the picture is probably the only thing that could make this happen Um you know Mahomes and Reed really seem content to funnel a lot of volume uh, to Hill and Kelsey and kind of spread the ball a little bit less last year than they did, uh, in, in 2019. And when you have two players that are matchup problems like that, why the hell not? I mean, just give them as many looks as possible. Um, so yeah, it's not, not that we panic. I mean, it's not, I hope people didn't invest too much in Miko Hardman. It's more just that, you know, he's, he's a nice best ball asset for the weeks where, you know, like last year in week 80, you know, he scores a long touchdown, 22.6 fantasy points, but he's not going to be a bankable fantasy asset. I think that Kansas City is very likely to add at that wide receiver position a Sammy Watkins replacement that's a little bit more of a size-type player than Hardman and Hill. Uh So, you know, I, I don't think I have any more Hardman And versus the other two. uh When we're talking Harry and Knox, Hardman more expensive than either of those players, and I just don't really have a lot of interest at his current price, Dave.
3: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. If you wanted to look for a highlight that you could give to Hardman, it would be the fact that of all receivers that Mahomes has utilized, he has the strongest AYA at 12.3. In fact, Tyreek Hill is all the way down at 10.58. But I think we still have to default back to the fact that that might not matter because it doesn't look like the team really cares. And you still have Tyreek Hill there. You have... Travis Kelsey, so there's already a cap to begin with. Just hasn't separated himself that much, and I'm just not inclined to see or to think that there's much of a reason to expect that that will change. Any other players that you're curious about? Yeah, that
2: you so, think- uh, you know, yeah, I want to stay on Hardman here for just one more um, quick minute. Uh, I'm looking at the wide receiver uses app, usage app, and to your point. Um, there was only one week last year, even when the team was kind of going through, uh, some issues, uh, some issues with, uh, the wide receiver unit. Only one week can I find that Tyreek Hill was better than wide receiver three in snaps. I think it was, uh, week eight. Uh, it was, he was just behind Tyreek Hill. And if I look at, uh, market share, uh, it's really embarrassing. And then, and then you go back into the NFL stat explorer. And you look at expected points per game. I mean, McCall Hardman, 90, wide receiver 94 and expected points per game playing for Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that that, to me, that's kind of the takeaway excerpt here on this player.
3: Yeah. Just to sum it up, like that's such a great point. The best offense in the league, you should think a receiver that's even in the running to be the wide receiver three there should be somebody that you could expect to count, rely on for some production, especially if their best trait looks like it should coincide very well in that offense. So I, I think we've covered him enough.
2: All right. Yeah. And I, you know, I know, I think you were getting ready to segue into uh, a Cincinnati Bengal, but not at the wide receiver position.
3: Correct. So drew sample. Um, Went at pick 52 overall. And the reason that I was interested in talking about him was the fact that I brought up Dawson Knox. Sample was one of the tight ends that should have drawn more interest. Uh, I want to quickly hit upon him in terms of the athleticism, which I like to look at for my tight ends. He was not as strong as a guy like Knox. Athletically comp to guys like Zach Ertz, Hunter Henry, uh, Brent Selick. In his first two seasons, though, in nine games 2019, drew just six targets. Last year in 2020, drew 53 targets, uh, had 40 wrecks, just one touchdown, 349 yards. That's not terrible. But if you remember, early on in the season, CJ Uzoma actually was looking like the better option there and was actually performing pretty well. I um, am inclined to say... That upon return in 2020, we don't see Sample running away, being a key contributor in this offense, controlling the tight end position. As we talked about earlier this week, we might see Cincinnati add another really high level wide receiver, a guy potentially like Jamar Chase. So I don't see a big runway for Sample to take a step forward despite that, that, that 80 or that actual draft position of 52 there's not much signal here to this being a great situation for him to step into a role where he becomes relevant. I, I just don't see it.
2: Yeah. Last year was really the chance. Um, Drew Sample, he was actually the, uh, the cover athlete of one of my dynasty waiver wire articles uh, last year. Uh, he had the big nine target week against Cleveland uh, in week two. And, you know, it was just a situation where, okay, Hey, we got a new uh, rookie quarterback. This offense is changing. Um, the high draft capital, he was free. Uh, it made a lot of sense. I mean, Sample really, to your point, uh, should have been more highly regarded after just from a, a, a draft capital perspective. And he had plenty of opportunities last year to pop out and shine. I mean, he had, uh, five games with five or more targets. And, you know, it's easy to again in our NFL statics explorer kind of lay out the timeline of what happened over the course of the season. Um, and you know, when he got targets, uh he was good at scoring at least like seven point seven uh bPR uh but you know he only had two games uh where uh he scored eleven or more uh five top twenty four weeks, but zero top twelve weeks um you know it's just not a situation where you know in a year, even with a backup quarterback, sometimes we see backup quarterbacks you know pummel tight ends with with volume. you know that didn't really come to pass either. You look at the game splits app, I was looking for, hey, is there any hint? Of a, you know, with Joe Burrow, without Joe Burrow type situation. You look at these two seasons that Sample spent in Cincinnati, averaged 4.32 PPR with Burrow, 4.57 without him, uh, right around three targets, plus or minus 10% per game, uh, regardless of who the quarterback is. I think he is what he is within the, uh, you know, within the, the Cincinnati scheme here, at least with its current regime. And, uh, yeah, I don't think he's somebody that really needs to be on our radar much.
3: Fair enough. All right. To close things out, just a couple of super quick questions for he, for you here, Curtis. You don't need to elaborate on these very much unless you feel that there's reason. Three of the running backs in this class that have not broken out, but people... Well, Daryl Henderson has had spots, but now he's in this position where it looks like Cam Akers is going to be in control of the backfield for the Rams. You have Alexander Madison... Who actually filled in a couple of times for Dalvin Cook, and I was expecting really good things from Madison, but he kind of squandered the opportunity. Then you have Benny Snell. Of course, we have to assume that Pittsburgh is going to do something to shore up the running back position. They also have a couple other guys there that could get involved. Um, of those three guys, who has the most value in dynasty? Kind of differing since your situations for the three. Um, but you know, this was a running back class where there really wasn't a lot of top level prospects.
2: Yeah. Um, I think I prefer them in the order that you, you mentioned them. Henderson did show us some upside actually, uh, in, in three of the first five weeks of 2020. This seems like eons ago. Three, three of the first five weeks last year, he was an RB1. He was an RB1. It was crazy. People were like freaking out over their Cam acre shares, uh, and rookie drafts and, I mean, man, how you know just a, a little injury can can change things sometimes, um but Daryl Henderson, I think within the context of the the Rams offense, certainly the highest upside player of the three um I was very high on him coming out, very exciting college player, one of the most efficient college running backs in uh college football history. really interesting profile. Madison is more of a plotter, but probably has uh more of a, if if you just look at the age of the player uh that he's supporting in Dalvin Cook. Uh, and a player who's missed considerable time in his career before and Cook with multiple uh, knee injuries. Madison, probably a more likely bet to give us some value, uh, you know, in terms of startable weeks. Uh, Benny Snell, just zero interest, uh, for me. I think Pittsburgh's a lot to upgrade the position and Snell didn't show us very much last year. The team actually went back to busted James Connor, um, when he was available, uh, despite having used Snell in the middle parts of the season.
3: Yep. Yep. I uh agree with you on that. Um and yeah, it is really interesting with Henderson how ti- how times change so quickly. You know, I was a big proponent of Cam Akers. Um but I I think that I do have some thought that Henderson could eat into what Akers might be able to per- get as a uh, in terms of workload a little bit more than people might think. But let's close out with wide receivers. There's one name in here uh that I think people will always uh have a little bit of a disappointment when they talk about, but have to chuckle at it. And that's Andy Isabella, right? So miles Boykin, Andy Isabella, and Travis Fulgham, who actually was awesome in spots last year, uh, but could very easily just be an obscurity for the rest of his career. Do you see any of these guys being relevant again or relevant for the first time? You could maybe think, argue
2: relevant <laughs> for the first time. Um, Uh, Andy Isabella will always have the 88 yard touchdown as a rookie that gave him some of the highest fantasy points over expectation in our database. I always love, uh, seeing that. It always reminds me of it. Um, I think it's unlikely. Yeah. I think it's unlikely that, uh, any of these three guys is, is super relevant again, but I would say of the three, Isabella has the best shot. Um, Kristen Kirk, Christian Kirk is coming up on, uh, the end of his rookie deal. And so Isabella, even if it doesn't happen in 21, um, the team, you know, with everything they've got invested in DeAndre Hopkins, uh, you know, hey, potentially he gets 2022 to himself in that Christian Kirk role. And maybe, you know, by then he'll have learned how to play. And then the NFL offense after coming out of UMass in, in a very different situation from a competitiveness standpoint. Um, But, yeah, I think that the most likely thing uh, here is that none of these three players ever – makes their way into a fantasy starting lineup ever again
3: the strangest thing about andy isabella was when you would go back and you would look at his game log and he'd play against sec schools because he actually had a couple of games against them he absolutely dominated i forget it, it was like florida i forget which school it was he put up like 200 receiving yards and multiple touchdowns on one of these sec schools which you could say well maybe they were playing the backups or anything like that but it was still i thought very impressive at the time so it's weird that he never really uh or has not yet turned into something. Um, but you know, maybe you need more than just that, that crazy speed and strong athleticism. So Curtis, we are now.
2: Yeah. I mean, let's,
3: let... oh, go ahead. Oh,
2: I, you gotta, you gotta let me, you gotta let me complete the thought here. So you're going to, you're going to bring that up. Uh, he torched Mississippi state for seven receptions, 158 yards and a touchdown. And then, um, you know, he he also had a situation where against Georgia, against Georgia, 15 receptions, 219 yards and two touchdowns. Now that was a garbage time situation. It was a garbage time situation, but still you see that, you know, you see it and you can't unsee it. Um, what he did as a senior was, was very impressive, but, um, yeah, you know, I, you gotta think that Cliff Kingsbury would still want it to work out for this guy. I mean, he famously traded up for him, took him over DK Metcalf. I mean, the team really, inve- they basically traded Josh Rosen away. You know, when you look back at how that all went down, they, they traded Josh Rosen away for Andy Isabella is kind of sort of what happened there. So he's going to get his chances. Um, you know, maybe with a full off season this year and year three, uh, you know, we'll see it happen for him. Of course we're rooting for him, but, um, yeah, I want to put the icing on the Andy Isabella discussion there.
3: Yeah, that, that's fair. You know, I'm just trying to keep these, uh, these episodes tight on schedule on the show sheet. I saw we were getting behind and I said, I cannot let Curtis have his piece, but I will give you the opportunity. People out there are going to be listening to this on a Friday. How do you want to send them into their weekend?
2: Oh man, um, on the weekend. Okay. So, so let's, let's do this. Um, uh, have a toast, uh, to someone that you haven't seen, uh, in the last year. Uh, it doesn't have to be, you know, I, I, I would toast with bourbon because that's my, my drink of choice. But I think, uh, 2020, 2021, the pandemic year is a year where we didn't all get to see the people that we, we are accustomed to seeing. And, you know, it changes our personalities, you know, when we're not around those people. And so spend a little time reflecting on, on those who are important to you, but maybe a little bit further from uh your mind uh or your sight uh in the last year. Throw out a little bit of respect, Dave.
3: <laughs> you know, I wanted to comment and and, and mention a player that really kind of disappeared last year and say it's been a year since we've seen whoever, but that was such a nice sentiment that I, I figured I wouldn't come up with it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh <laughs> all uh, right. call us up at nine seven eight six one five nine two one four. Get entered to win a shirt. I appreciate Curtis sharing those thoughts and we will be back next week. Thanks for listening to the RotoViz Fantasy Football Show. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Dave Cabin and at C. Patrick NFL. Email us at rotovizffshow Show at gmail.com. Visit RotoViz.com forward slash podcast for more information on listener only discounts. And until next time, thanks for stopping by.
1: Everyone is talking about magnesium. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at bioptimizers.com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.